All of my defenses could not withstand the damage, fortified by straw, glass, and sand. With one gust of wind, one splash of water, one small pebble of stone, my castle came crashing down. Broken walls, broken glass, this broken heart, all broken down. How will I ever recover from this fall? How could I ever rebuild this kingdom? I had a close friend in college who didn't claim to be a Christian, but oftentimes we'd have really good conversations about the things of faith. And I was a new Christian, so I was really excited to share with him some of the things God was teaching me. And every once in a while, we kind of turn the tables on the conversation. I would ask him, hey, where are you at with God? He would have a very similar answer every time we talked about it, uh, which went along the lines of, Danny, I'm in a season in life right now where there's a lot of things that I'm doing that I don't feel like God would be very excited about me doing. And so you know what, I love the idea of following Jesus, but why don't we talk about this after graduation, right? After fraternity life is over, after the party life is over, let's talk about this again and I'll be ready to follow God when I'm done with this season. And so fast forward, two or three years, we both got married, we started to settle down, right? The party life was over, the college life was over for him. And, and so we picked the conversation back up again and, and I would ask him the same kinds of questions. Hey, where are you at with this whole Jesus thing? Where are you at with your faith? And it was interesting, his answer was the same, but the reasons had changed. He, he said, Danny, I, I'm actually just starting my career right now and I'm doing really well. And I've got this feeling that if I gave my life to the Lord, He'd want all my money or he'd have me become a missionary or something. You know what? I, I'm a little nervous that if I handed the reins of my life over to this God that you believe in, he's going to change it in a way that I'm not very excited about. So you know what? Let me make my money. Let me establish my career and let's talk about this later. You know, as life went on, we'd continue the conversation and, and we'd have a very similar conversation with a lot of different contexts, which the, the bottom line was... I love the idea of following Jesus, but I'm not sure I want to let go of some of the things that I value in order to do so. Now, you hear this story out there. It might totally resonate with you because maybe that's your story even right now. Maybe where you sit, where you're watching today, you're thinking, that's me. I, I've been watching church online. I've been connecting a little bit. I love these spiritual concepts that are coming out, but... But I've got some question marks when it comes to releasing the control of my life over to a God that I have not seen. And if that's you, let me just encourage you and tell you, you are not alone. The truth is no one wants to submit to God. Right? Christians, non-Christians, people who have not yet started following Jesus, there is this epidemic that has seized the human race since the beginning and none of us, none of us, have a desire to let go of the control of our lives and hand it over to a sovereign creator. Now, you might be a Christian today, and you know you still struggle with this. There are some things in your life that God is encouraging you to stop doing, to let go of, maybe some pursuits that are harming you, a relationship that is not healthy for you, some desires that, that you know God wants to prune out of your life, but every time God wants to bring it up, you, you, you change the subject, you close your Bible, you walk away, you try to ignore his quiet voice because there's some areas of your life that you're just not ready to let go and, and hand over to the Lord yet. 
Now, on the flip side, there might be some of you out there who, who have some things that God is compelling you to do. Maybe there's a conversation that's tough that God wants you to have with someone. Maybe you're watching the behavior of a friend and you feel like confrontation is in order, but it's scary and that's not you. And God keeps tapping on your shoulder and you keep squirming away because the last thing you want to do is put this relationship in jeopardy and trust that what God is telling you to do is actually going to give you life. The truth is none of us want to submit to God. And we are in a series where we've talked about the fact that God is boundless. Uh, He is huge. He is big. He is the sovereign ruler over all creation. We said the first week, God is in charge and he does whatever he wants. But the truth is for us human beings living on this planet earth, sadly, we want to give our lives to everything but God. Well, all of us, we talked about week two, we have these idols in our lives, these pursuits that we go after, these things that we think will bring us freedom and joy and happiness. And and even though most of us know that we can't find happiness through these pursuits, we can't stop pursuing them because something's broken in us where even though God is in charge, we want to be in charge of our lives and our decisions and every aspect of it. We know that it's fruitless. That's what we talked about last week. God is is in control of all things. He's above all things. He's through all things. He is the one who can change all things, but something in us just won't let us let go and hand our lives over to the reign, the control, the care of God. Today, as we look at a passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah, I'm reminded of how often we, we tend to argue with God. I think of Moses in the book of Exodus where God says, I want you to to be the instrument that I use to let my people go. And Moses says, no, and he has all these excuses. I'm not a good speaker. I'm nervous. I'm scared. God, just send someone else. Get your hands off of me and let me do what I want to do. Let someone else do your bidding. And he tries to argue with God. And it reminds me a lot of us. And here in Isaiah chapter 45, this is what we're going to pick up today. So if you have Bibles today, you can open to Isaiah chapter 45. We're going to start here in verse 9, the, pa- the verse that sparks this conversation in the book of Isaiah. It says this, it says, Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. And so if you are someone who quarrels with your maker, like I do, like my friend did, like all of us do, as we dive in today, I've got one question for you. Where is it in your life that you tend to argue with God? Where is the place that that you're holding on to something too tightly? Where is the place that God is calling you into but you don't want to go? Where is the place, maybe it's your entire life itself, that you're scared to hand it over to the control of a God who says he loves you, who says he has plans for you? Where are you tempted to quarrel with God? And we're going to take a look at this passage today and walk through it and learn what we can about how we can release the control of our lives into the hands of a sovereign God who loves us. Now, this uh, shelter-in-place season has been going on for a long time, and I've noticed a lot of people are, are making more and more unwise decisions. And one of the unwise decisions that I think our family may have made in the midst of COVID is that we decided to get a puppy a month or two ago. I don't know if you've ever had a puppy. Everyone has always told me that that puppies are are little cute dogs that everyone wants and then they get old and and then you don't want them anymore. But my experience has been kind of the opposite. Like puppies are pretty difficult. This dog is like this big. She's like 20 pounds. Uh, I'll show you a picture. She's very cute. Don't let it deceive you. She's this 20 pound little mini Aussie doodle, but she thinks that she rules our entire household. 
right? She struts around like she owns the place. She walks around like she's trying to guard us from doing the things that she doesn't want us to do. She thinks that she is the God in our house and we need to do her bidding. And it's laughable, but it's also kind of annoying. Right? Because we sit down to dinner, we put her in her little pen area, and she barks and barks to say, hey, let me out of this place. She's got an opinion about this. We try to play outside, the kids try to jump on the trampoline, and she jumps around and tries to bite them and play with them to say, hey, come and do what I want, come and do what I want. And so often with her puppy energy, she's this little tiny ball of fire that's trying to control us in our homes. And all I want to do is teach her to speak English and, and say, Bailey, you know that you're not in charge, right? Like You know that we are the humans and you are the dog and you're supposed to do what we want you to do. You understand that, right? But she doesn't. You know, I know you're getting scared that I'm about to compare like <laughs> humans are to dogs as God is to humans. The truth is, as we look at the passage, uh, the, the change in there that Isaiah puts is even greater. He says, God is to humans as humans are to inanimate objects. He says, woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but potsherds among the potsherds of the ground. And potsherd is not a word we use very often. It means like little broken pieces of pottery that lay on the ground in a potter's shed. Isaiah is saying, God is up in the heavens. He's big, he's huge, he's the creator. And we, in comparison, are like little broken pieces of clay drying up in the sun on the ground of a potter's shed. It doesn't give us a lot of dignity, but he does show us a bit of the distance that exists between us and God. You know, the truth is a lot of us are like my little dog who think we're in control of everything, who are yapping at God all the time to do our bidding. But Isaiah is trying to say that compared to God, we are very, very small. There's a great distance between us and our creator. Right? That doesn't mean we have no dignity. I, I think a lot about Psalm 8, which is this beautiful depiction of this truth. The psalmist says, When I think of the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man <laughs> that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him, but you've created him a little lower than God and you've crowned him with glory and majesty. The psalmist says, Compared with God and his creation, we are nothing. We are so, so small. But at the same time, God has given us dignity. He's given us honor. So there is dignity in human life. But, but the first thing that Isaiah reminds us is that compared with God, we're nothing. We're small. We're like shards of glass, shards of clay in a potter's shed. And he gives some illustrations to kind of remind us of how small we are compared with God to kind of calm down those of us who've got a strong opinion when we want to quarrel with God. He says, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands, right? Does the pottery mock the creator of the pottery? Does the, potter, does the pottery look up at the one who's creating it and say, hey, what are you doing up there? No, right? The answer is no. And the, the number one reason that potter, pottery does not talk back to potters is because pottery can't talk, right? It's kind of a ridiculous argument. But I think Isaiah is trying to remind us that compared to God, not only are we small, but compared with our almighty God, we honestly have no voice. 
We're like a, a piece of pottery on the ground. We're like a piece of pottery on the wheel. And we might have opinions about where we should be shaped. We might have opinions about the way things should be formed in our lives. But the truth is, compared with the majesty and the sovereignty and the knowledge, we are these tiny pieces, almost like an inanimate object that is so small and that is voiceless compared to the one who is all-powerful. I don't think Isaiah is trying to say that humans lack dignity. I don't think that Isaiah is trying to say that our prayers don't matter. Obviously, the Bible says a ton of times that actually God has given us a voice. But I think what Isaiah is trying to teach us is that as it comes to our relationship with God and quarreling with our maker, complaining gets us nowhere. Now, he, he gives us another illustration today in verse 10. He says, Woe to the one who says to a father, What have you begotten? Or to a mother, What have you brought to birth? The theologians kind of argue a little bit about what he could be talking about here, right? Is he talking about a baby being born and saying, Dad, I don't like that you created me, or a fetus being formed and saying, Mom, what are you doing, right? Or is he talking about a sperm saying, Hey, you have no right to use me to create a child? Or is he talking about a stranger walking into a birth room and saying, What are you guys doing in there? You shouldn't be having a baby, right? He's saying the same thing no matter how you spin the illustration, which is that all of that talk, all of that conversation is absolutely fruitless. Right? If you're a parent out there, you know you have no control over what kind of child you create, even whether it's a girl or a boy, brown hair, blonde, right? You, you can guess, but you don't know. Right? Back in that day, they didn't have sonograms and ultrasounds. They couldn't tell you about a baby before it was born. Right? The whole idea of arguing with someone who has no control or having an opinions about things over which you have no control is absolutely fruitless. Isaiah is trying to say that compared with us as human beings, when we try to argue with God and fight with God, we resist God, we don't want to submit to God, whatever that area of life is that you don't want to hand over to God, Isaiah reminds us, compared with God, you are small. Compared with God, you have no voice. And honestly, all that complaining, all that sadness, all that resistance that you're doing, it gets you nowhere. When I think about my little dog at my house and kind of the distance between the human people who live in our house and the animal person who lives in my house, I, I want to give my dog that message. Like, listen, Bailey, you're small. Your voice doesn't really matter. And all this barking and complaining, it's not going to get you anywhere. Right? You could bark all day about wanting to come work with me. I'm going to work alone. Right? You could bark all night while we're eating dinner. We're going to eat dinner without you begging next to the table. Your complaining will get you nowhere because we are the humans, you are the dog. Just do what we say. And Isaiah is trying to give us a glimpse of how human beings should understand their relationship with God. Is that fighting God gets you nowhere. Right? If you're someone who's been fighting God your whole life, and you've been resisting him, you haven't, maybe you're like my friend in college, you don't want to give the control of your life over to the Lord. You say, God, I'm going to do it my way. How, how far has that gotten you? Has it made your life great? Have you found success and happiness and joy outside of a relationship with God? I'm going to guess probably not. Right? Those of you who feel like God taps on your shoulders and says, I've got something for you, and you ignore him, did that help you in some way? Did that change the dynamics? Did God come back and say, oh, no, you're right. Actually, I don't want you to go share the gospel with that, someone, with that person. Oh, no, you're right. You know what? You shouldn't be changing that behavior. No, right? God kept tapping on your shoulder because you were like the pot that the potter was trying to create, and you were shouting up and complaining and saying, you've got no hands, or you shouldn't put a handle on me. And the potter said, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I'm the God. You're the person. You got to calm down and you got to let me be in control. 
Uh, if you're someone who's been fighting God for a long time, that's the message for you from this passage. It's time for you to calm down and let God be in control. If you've got something that God is calling you to do and you're scared to do it, you've got to calm down and give him control. If there's something that God is telling you to stop doing and you're terrified to take this practice or this relationship out, out of your life, the message for you today is to calm down, trust God, and hand the control of your life over to the one who loves you. You know, that's a scary thing uh, in a world that we live in right now because I know there's a lot of things that maybe you're praying about, maybe that you're crying out about, things that, you have, that you're bringing to God, the things you're quarreling with God about are big things that you should be praying about. I think of the woman in the book of Luke, I think it's chapter 24, who goes to the authority over and over again and says, please give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. Maybe you've been crying out to God for justice in some area of the world for a long, long time, and you feel like he's saying, your prayers are unimportant, I don't care, I don't want to do what you want to do, and you're having a hard time trusting God because the thing you're quarreling with him about is an area where you think he should change the world. It's not a dishonorable thing, it's not an idolatry thing, you're God, don't you see the brokenness of our world? Why are you standing up there and doing nothing? Right? You're the pot on the potter's wheel saying, God, what are you doing? You're destroying us down here. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And you feel like what Isaiah is saying is stop arguing. God's in control. But when you look up at God, you feel like he's asleep or he's just dead at the wheel or something. And the reason you're quarreling with him is because you're having a hard time trusting that he knows what he's doing. I was talking to somebody this week. Last week I mentioned there are so many people who are going through such hard things in these last couple weeks with, with, with the sickness going on and some folks in their lives who are losing, losing their lives and people who are in deep crisis and addiction, all these different things. And one of the people I talked to last week was wrestling through all this. Like, I don't know where God is in the midst of all the tragedy that I'm facing. And she said, Danny, I, I'm trying to trust God. <laughs> But I feel like someday I'm going to get to heaven and this is one of those things that I'm going to have a lot of questions for God about because I have a hard time trusting that he even knows what he's doing right now. Why is he allowing these terrible things to happen? I think it's one thing to, to be the puppy that's yelping or the pot that's complaining or the person who's ignorantly asking a couple about the child they're giving birth to. I, I think it's another thing to be a hurting person on this world, trying to follow God, trying to trust God, and, and yet feeling like the God who's supposed to be in charge is letting you down and not answering the prayers that he should be answering. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you with these next verses that Isaiah brought, brings out in this passage because he starts by saying, stop fighting with God, it's fruitless, you're tiny, you're powerless, shut your mouth, let God be in control. And then in verse 11, after he shuts the human's mouth, he opens God's mouth. And he says in verse 11, this is what God says. And now that you've stopped barking, now that you've stopped yelping, now that you've stopped complaining, now that you've stopped quarreling, this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, concerning things to come. It says, do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind in it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. And he says, I will raise up Cyrus. This is a, a foreign king that God was raising up to deliver his people. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. 
he says down in verse 15, he says, Truly you are a guy who's been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgrace. They will go off into disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgrace to ages everlasting. For this is what the Lord says. He who creates the, created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, there is no other. I've not spoken in secret from somewhere in the land of darkness. I've not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare that which is right. Gather together and come. Assemble you fugitives from the nation. Ignorant are those who carry about idols made of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And is there no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior? There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, and my mouth has uttered in all integrity a world, word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. Now, as you read the book of Isaiah, there's this common theme that keeps emerging over and over again, which is that you people have been rebellious, and you are living in a hard season as a result, but I will deliver you, trust me, and I will redeem you. I will redeem this brokenness. I will deliver you from your oppression, and I will bring you into a beautiful, beautiful future. Now, the truth is that, that as we look at this text, God is not saying, be quiet while I ruin your life. And God is saying, calm down, trust me, and watch while I will do something you would have never believed I would do. Now, if you're someone out there who has a hard time trusting the Lord, I just want to encourage you. God is trying to shut you up, not because he just wants to shut you up. God is trying to shut you up and stop your arguing because he wants to show you a glimpse of the beautiful future that he has for you. He has something for you, but you have to stop fighting and let him lead you to the waters he has for you in the future. As we read through the Bible, we see over and over again this pattern of God stopping someone, arresting them, changing their trajectory, and then freeing them. You know, next week, we're going to talk about Acts chapter 9, when God does that to the Apostle Paul, who was named Saul at the time. Saul has been killing Christians. He's going to another city to persecute the church of Jesus. And God from heaven stops him in his tracks and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And then he says this, now get up. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to have you to do for me. He stops him in his tracks. He arrests him. He gets him to listen. And he says, okay, now come with me because I'm going to use you to change the world. In 1 Timothy, the, the whole book is about this concept. Timothy says that, or Paul says to Timothy, there's all this quarreling and fighting going on in the church. And there's these people who think they're supposed to be teachers and they're teaching false doctrines. It's, it's crazy. And so Paul says, Timothy, here's what you got to do. Go to the men in the church and shut them up. 
Tell them to close their mouths. And if they want to use their mouths, use them to pray instead. Do something productive. Then he says, now go to the ladies of the church and shut them up. Tell them to stop trying to teach everyone all this crazy false doctrine. Tell them, if you've got something to teach, equip your kids how to follow Jesus. And now that everyone's quiet, he says, now let's talk about how to create a church that changes the world. He says, look for godly men in the church and raise them up to be leaders and teachers. Make them elders in that community. Look for men and women who exercise godliness in their lives and raise them up and let them serve as deacons, serving in official capacities. Don't let it be a free-for-all. Calm everyone down. And then start elevating godly people into places where they can have great influence in this beautiful community. Now, even here in Isaiah 45, this is what God is doing. He says, stop fighting with me. Isaiah says, stop arguing with God. Close your mouth, calm down, and listen. And if you can learn to trust the trajectory God has for your life, he's going to take you down a path that is beautiful and is ultimately one billion times better than any pathway you can find on your own. If you're in a place in your life where you've been resisting God's call to be a Christian for, for a long, long time, I, I encourage you, today's the day to, to stop fighting. Stop your arguing. Stop giving your excuses to God. Remember, He's God and you're not. Just come to Him and let go. Take a deep breath and listen. And the words that God has for you is, follow me. Let me take your sin away. Let me take your angst away. Let me take your stress away. Let me take your burdens away. Let me take your pressure away. Let me take your idols away. Let me teach you how to follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Cast your anxieties on me and come on, follow me. And Jesus died for your sins. He rose to give you new life. Will you accept it? Will you drop your nets, as we see in the New Testament, and follow after Jesus and take up his yoke instead? For those of you who are wrestling because there's something God's calling you to do or to stop doing and you just keep fighting with about it, let me encourage you today, make today be the day that you stop fighting against God. Relax, let go, and trust him, listen to him. Say, God, okay, what is it that you want from me? And take one next step as you learn to follow him. Next week, we're going to take some time to, to look at the New Testament about what it looks like to live in a beautiful partnership with the sovereign God in the universe. But for today, as we close, let me just close with this. I want to tell you that when you can learn to stop fighting God and let him be in control, the adventurous life he has for you can truly begin. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to move on with our service. Father, I pray for anyone today who has something in their life that they don't want to release to your control. I pray that you would give them the ability to let go, to take a deep breath, to slide it over to you and say, God, take this. Take my sin away. Take my control away. Take my need for control away. And in that moment, you would take it and you would replace it with, with your sovereign hand in their life and you would start to do beautiful, beautiful things. I pray for anyone who needs to step into a life with Jesus for the first time and become a Christian, that they would realize that all they have to do is let go of their own control of their life and cast their cares on you. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to give me a new life. I need you to give me purpose and meaning. I trust your rule in this world and let them just start taking a step and another step and another step, not after their own ways, but in your ways, the ways that lead to life pray that you would guide us day by day. I pray for next week as we get to learn a little bit about how to live in partnership with you, that you would equip us to be people that are used by you to change the world because we've dropped our agendas and picked up yours, the sovereign and boundless God of the universe. We pray all this in your name. 
Amen. Hey everybody, thanks so much for watching. Hopefully you were encouraged by what you saw today. My name is Danny, I'm the pastor at Three Crosses and just wanna encourage you, if you're looking to connect more, you can check out our website, threecrosses.org. Uh, we stream our services every Sunday. You can jump in on that. Or if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, come and find us. We'd love to connect with you. Before you go today, hit the subscribe button. Keep up to date with what's going on week after week. We'd love to stay connected. Have a great one.